This is the Six Figure Exit. We are two entrepreneurs sharing how we've shaped our lives and our businesses. Our purpose is to help you grow your business and personal excellence. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Six Figure Exit Podcast week, what is this, five, four? Week five, five. Gavin, week Jeez, five. I can't even keep track anymore. Um, my name's Gavin, I'm here with my good friend Carson. Carson, how are we doing today, brother? I'm doing splendid, Gavin. Splendid. It is a beautiful, Whoa. That's a beautiful, beautiful day. <laughs> okay, well, all right. You're starting the day off with a chirp. It's okay. How are you doing? Um, good. We tried shooting the show here last Friday, our typical show day, but uh, I was a little bit foggy. And actually that morning is when I took CPR training for infants. You were and, out of breath then. Yeah. I was, and then I also... Um, had to learn about how we're going to teach my son to eat through a feeding tube. So my brain was a little bit... Uh, Does he have to eat through a feeding tube? Right now he is, yeah. Oh, really? I well, know partially. He's kind of like 50, 50% oral feedings and then 50% rough numbers. It kind of depends on how tired he gets oral feeding. And then 50% roughly um, through the tube. So we're, we're, we got to do that at home. So oh. that's, that's kind of why we needed to... That makes sense. Learn that process. Yeah. That, that makes <laughs> sense. Because he needs to eat. <laughs> That's every, important. And it's every, important. every three hours. And so. you just brought him home. Well, it would have been the day after that. So yeah, Saturday. Saturday when we had our event here, our gathering. Yeah. Um, I had to, Thank it, you, everyone that came to that. That yeah, was fun. That we, was uh, we had a great time. And I know uh, just hearing from a few people that everyone enjoyed it and was good networking. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it wasn't like a massive turnout, but it was still great to get guys together that are like-minded and... Yeah, I don't think it hurt anything. No, it certainly doesn't hurt. Other than my pocketbook, but <laughs> worth every cent. No, worth. for sure. I was uh, very grateful to for all the people that came out. So, thank you if you're listening. Yeah, that was good. But but yeah, Dallas came home that morning, Saturday morning, and today is now Monday morning. So we've had about two days with him, and the everything's going well. He's eating and sleeping, and pooping a lot so we got a lot of diaper changes and a lot of feeding but getting good at that we're up every two and a half so like our sleep window is like two hours oh sections every night so Fine. like we're, we're sleeping from like 9 30 to 11 and then from midnight to 1 30 2 o'clock ish and then from three o'clock to five o'clock and then i'm up at five and i'm up for the rest of the day so <laughs> Yikes! I don't know it's, if I could do that. It's interrupted sleep, but it's uh, it's worth every moment, and very grateful for the opportunity to be a dad. Well, I see you got a new mug today too. I do. What what does that say, Carson? Best dad ever. Yeah. Did you buy it for yourself? <laughs> Self-proclaimed. <laughs> uh, no. Scrolling through Target. This was. Uh, <laughs> I think this was a gift from Sophie. This actually might have been how she told me this mug. Oh, really? Yeah, she told me with this mug that she was pregnant. So it's well, special. It was a little preemptive, though, on the best dad ever. Yeah. We don't know Jumped yet. Jumped the gun on it. But <laughs> so far, it's looking good, but yeah, it's a lot to live up to now. Yeah. How was your weekend? What did you run into this weekend? 
A septic tank. Well, actually, no, I didn't run into the septic tank. I ran into they the ran septic into, line. They ran into you. <laughs> no, me. I, uh, I spent the whole weekend trying to find... Well, we had the event, obviously, but yeah. then Sunday, I was trying to find my septic tank because... Uh, well, at the house I bought, it. Uh, I don't know where the septic tank's at. And we're going into winter, and I figure, well, my luck will be dead January, absolutely frozen, and the pooper's full. And <laughs> I don't know where it's at. So I just started digging holes in the yard, trying to figure out where it's at. Uh, ran into the line, hit the line. So now I'm showering over at Lifetime, um, waiting to get that patched. That sounds crappy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, I had a, if I had a nickel for every time made that, someone made that joke when I sent them yeah. a Snapchat over the weekend. Yeah. You'd have a buck. I'd have a buck. So, but well, it was speaking of houses today, we want to share our experiences through real estate, our investment, I would say opportunities that we've um, experienced and stories we've stories and lessons we've learned through trying to invest in real estate and kind of go from there and see how we can maybe help somebody that is trying to do the same or trying to do something different. This is a question I want some insight. I get asked a lot is how'd you get started? Cause it's not, it's not something that's easy to get started in. Uh, it takes a lot of capital and because of the amount of capital it takes. Not always. Not always, but it takes capital, but not always your own. Yeah. Not always <laughs> your own, but therefore it's harder to get into. And pe- there's, I mean, I shouldn't say it's harder to get into. It's just riskier. A barrier that people yeah. are fearful of, I'd say. Yeah. You either got to bring a lot of your own money or you got to bring someone else's money and then you got to Which gotta is scarier. Yeah. <laughs> you got to make sure you can pay them back. Yeah. But. but. Well, Gavin, why don't we just jump into sharing a couple of, well, what do you have real estate wise and what have you done? Share those experiences right. with us. I'll, I'll start from the very, very early beginnings, three years, two years ago. <laughs> um, I'm not an expert in real estate. Yeah. Right. No. Um, no expert in real estate, but always knew and you see on the internet all these millionaires that are uh, wealthy because of the, their real estate investments and portfolios. And so I piqued my interests. And so I'd like was, to be a millionaire too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try that. So it was, I was coming out of our 2020 landscape season, had some dough. And I was like, I'm, I was living at home at the time. And fall was coming and I realized that I wanted to maybe get a project under my belt. And so I bought a single family home over in Roseville, Minnesota. And did you find that on market or? Yeah. And that's one point I want to tell listeners is that if you're looking to invest in real estate, this is a big regret of mine is like, I would try to find off market deals because the, the the numbers and margins are just going to be way easier to make some money on. Um, those damn realtors, they get in the middle of it and they're just yeah, it's bunking it up. 15, 20, 30 grand into their pockets. Um, so I've got some friends that are realtors, so I just yeah. like to chirp them. Yeah, if they're listening. Yeah. Um, but anyways, bought that single family home. It was an original owner, 1962 Rambler. Um, so it was mint. I mean, Really well, Beauty. T- well Wasn't kept. Like one of the bedrooms purple. Yeah, so <laughs> one bedroom was purple, had purple carpet. One bedroom was oh, purple one, carpet. One bedroom was pink and had like pink carpet. Very deep, bright pink carpet. Oh, it was bad. That really <laughs> could have been my Barbie room. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this was that was my first property, and so I needed something to do over the winter time, and so I was like, "Well, this is a good opportunity to kind of get my foot in the door, see what this is all about, learn a lot of new skills." I mean, 
everything from plumbing, electrical to. Did you have a lot of background plumbing, electrical, that type of stuff before, or any experience, or? No, um, I had my. I mean, I worked with my dad. He's a general contractor, so had experience doing a lot of stuff with him, and had him as a reference if I needed help yeah. or got stuck or whatever. And so, um, not a ton of experience doing it, but wasn't afraid to jump in and figure stuff out. But anyways, long story short, I got bought that house, closed in December, and then um, kind of spent the whole winter, kind of after January 1st, after the first of the year, renovating that just on my own. And um, in that deal, I financed, I think I put down, I did put down 7.5%. Conventional financing? Yep, or conventional loan because I was living there. 30-year? Yep. Um, and then everything as far as updates. Did you finance the rehab into it then, or you brought no, your own cash was all, for the rehab? all cash. Okay. So just purchase materials with cash that we okay. had. And the house was considered habitable, right? Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have oh, yeah. given you the financing without yeah, yep. it being habitable. No, it was it was a nice house. Yeah. It just was old and dated and needed a refresh. And so we tore out a portion of a wall of the kitchen and uh, put in a new beam and then or a new header and then um, just finished out the kitchen with all new cabinetry, new appliances. Everything was new in the kitchen and updated the flooring. Luckily, a lot of those homes were built with um, hardwood flooring and everybody decided to put carpet over it. So <laughs> was able oh, to refinish yeah. the, the hardwood and that was nice. Um, Did you put some LVP in there too? LVP in the kitchen and in there, there was an addition off the back of the house with the fireplace. The fireplace was, yeah. Um, so that, that was LVP in there. But, um, but yeah, so I financed that deal just conventionally and brought my cash for the rehabs and then did that for the winter and then lived there from kind of March 21 to, um, gosh, what would it be? I think October of 21, we bought a different house here in Montemidae. We did the same exact deal conventional loan on market um that was no, only you I think five percent down you didn't didn't you buy wanna be an eye in 22 not 21 was it i don't know i mean it was your place but i don't know i feel like it was more recent 22 was last year yeah it was okay you're right yep it was 22 so anyways so then um bought that house conventionally on market Five percent down, and then same thing. We use our cash to do the updating. Uh, burned a ton of money on material. Well, not so much on material, mostly on labor, because we had two of our guys just working yeah. on the house pretty much four months of the over the when, winter. Were you guys planning on staying there for a while? Weren't you originally? Or we actually we bought the house with the intention to buy it, flip it, rent it a year later. Oh, okay. So because it was a five bedroom house and. Montemidae, which um, is a pretty desirable location just because of the schools and just a nice little area. The finishes that you bought for it were with the plans of it renting. It wasn't like top-end stuff because you no. were going mean, to be your own host. Yeah, and I didn't want to put ridiculous amount of money in little stuff that yeah. just didn't matter. Yep. I mean, and like you can you can easily put too much money into a property and then you just price yourself out of the market in that area. I've you done know. that. <laughs> 
we'll hear about that in a little bit. Um, Coming up later in the show, Carson shares his stories. Yeah. So anyways, we have the house in Roseville still. We got renters in there. We had intentions to rent our house here in Montemidae. And we moved out of that just recently back in, gosh, October. No, September 1, we moved out of there. Um, when we closed on a different townhouse over in Lake Elmo. So we moved, and then we're going to rent this house here in Montemidae. Had a lease signed, but then ultimately decided that we wanted to get our capital back out of it. And so we just listed it recently, about two weeks ago. Received an offer on it, actually. I was going to say. Um, above asking price. but Really? But it's contingent on the sale of their home. So kind of a drag. Where, what is their home? Have you seen the... It's a two-bedroom, two-bath in Montemidae. So, did you accept the offer or have you? Yeah, we just accepted it yesterday. Can you cancel that acceptance if someone else makes an offer? Or how does that work? I don't think so because I think the home goes to pending. Like it's not active anymore. You should I talk to your agent and see if there's a way to like, if someone else makes an offer or because they can put like an accepting backup offers type thing on there. Yeah, maybe. Or there's got to be a date on well, contingent the, on this, closing on or closing before. It, yeah, there's a closing date on it. Yeah. But, when is that? Um, December 29th, so oh. a little over a month. Well, that's not bad. So hopefully that goes well. Um, otherwise, it was either we accepted their offer or I think we would have had to do like a price reduction. Yeah. How long did it sit on the market before getting an offer? Was that the um, only offer? Yeah, it's the only offer we've had in writing. Um, so I was like a maybe a week on the market. That's not bad. Which isn't bad. I like looking at the real estate that's around us right now. There's a lot of stuff sitting on the market and a lot it, of stuff that's getting price reduced and it's yeah. kind of scary. Um, so like when I, when, when we got this offer, right yeah, when we got this offer, I'm like, man, if they're at, if they're offering a little bit above asking, I'm happy with that. It's either we do that or we reduce the price and we just going to, we're going to take the risk on them yeah. selling their house. So that's what we ended up doing. And, um, so that'll close hopefully in the next month or so. And then we bought a townhouse over in Lake Elmo. I don't think it's the greatest investment in real estate you can do. Yeah, but it's your personal house. Yeah, I mean, we're living there. I think we'll probably live there until we're ready to buy a home. Oh, that's, yeah, I told, actually I was telling Sophie last night, I'm like, the next house we're buying is going to be 1.2 or 1.5 to $2 million. <laughs> So that's kind of the point I'm at with the house I just bought. It's like, this place is good enough. Like, yeah, until I'm ready, the big one, I'm ready. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I'm looking forward to the day that we can move out of there. Um, very, I mean, it's very nice and I'm very blessed and grateful for the opportunity to live there. Um, but I mean, we've worked to get to that point to live there and, but I'm ready for my own space. Yeah. So that's my experience with, with real estate and kind of where we're at. Um, I don't really have plans right now to dive more into real estate um, investing for the time being. I'm going to kind of take a step back from a lot of things in my life and focus and really dive into something that I can spend a lot of my time on instead of dabbling here and there. And so that's where my life's at and going to spend more time with my baby boy and my wife and family time. And so Real estate's taking a bit of a backseat until I can uh, generate more revenue in business and make more profit so that someday that we can uh, 
invest heavier into real estate and kind of create a retirement investment portfolio. It's kind of the plan. Generational uh, wealth. Yeah. Hotels and <laughs> casino hundred unit buildings. Um, no, but the state of Portugal, that's where we're at in real estate right now. If I would kind of do things differently, I would, I would say for sure looking for stuff that is off market and really looking at the numbers a little finer. Um, there's just, there isn't a lot out there right now. No. I mean, it's Thanksgiving's Thursday and this time of year we're, I mean, we're seeing it with sales in our companies. Like it's just, there's nothing. No, nobody cares. Yeah. Christmas Everybody's worried about the turkey. Grill the turkey or whatever you do with it. So that's my story for now. What uh, What about you, Carson? What's your real estate story? Uh, I got an interesting one. Um, it's a little bit different. I bought, so currently own three rental properties, and I just bought a house for myself, first house I bought for myself um, this year. But... First property I bought was 2021. I found a piece of property that 10 acres had a house on it. Uh, it was off market. The owner was just like running an outdoor storage business there. And um, he lived there, had an electrical company, whatever. He ended up trying to sell this, I think, in 2020 and didn't sell. I don't know if he was asking too much or what, or it was just kind of a weird deal. Took it off the market and then was just had a Facebook post out there like outdoor storage space for rent. I saw that and I was like looking in that area for properties and I was kind of like, oh, well, I looked it up on Zillow to see like what it was valued at or whatever. And I saw it was listed last year, but it never sold. So I was like, okay, like they tried to sell this at one point. So I set up a time to meet with them to go look at it because I said we're interested in storage space for our company. Walked a property with them, got done and just said, hey, do you want to just sell it to me? And they were like, yeah, we'd probably do that. (laughs) So I went in there like kind of portraying, I guess, as a renter from the start, but the intention of buying it right from the get-go. Um, so it made them an offer. That, I mean, it wasn't, they wanted 680 for it. I made them an offer at like six. They said no. So then I bought it for 680. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're a good negotiator. <laughs> well, then, yeah, they just like, we, it was, it was very old school. Like we just yeah. sat at the kitchen table and. Uh, that I, day? No, not that okay. day. Like I wrote an offer. Uh, I, well, I had my parents come look at it and then my uncle who's a realtor or whatever, yep. and he kind of repped me. And so I had everyone look at it and was, everyone was like, yeah, this is, you know, um, it was probably full price for sure for yep. what it is. But the part of it was there is storage, like rental income there at about $3,000 a month, which already covered the mortgage on it. Yeah. So all I had to do was keep those renters or add more, which yep. I've done. Long story short, so I just said, yeah, I'll pay 680 Like, that makes sense because of the rental income, even though it, if none of that was there, it didn't make any sense. How many acres? 10 acres. So it's a kind of a different piece of property. It's unique um, because two things. Well, one, it's got the income right now. um, And part of that rental income is now the person that owned it is still living in the house, renting the house. So that immediately had a renter in it as well. All of this I was doing when I was living at my parents' house, by the way, I guess. Um, So bought that, had the rental income going. And in the future, in the comp plan, the property is zoned industrial. So for those of you who don't know, a comp plan is what a city writes out and it's usually in like 20 year intervals. So they'll plan the next 20 years of where growth is going to happen in the city because uh, they want most cities. I mean, when you get into more rural cities, they don't really have it as detailed, but most cities that are bigger or on the cusp of like growing want growth of certain businesses to happen in certain, you know, there's a retail section here. You're not going to put 
an Amazon warehouse right next to Cub Foods because it'd be really weird having yep. that like mix of stuff. So they plan out where they want the growth. Industrial is obviously like, you know, like Amazon warehouses or companies like ours that need industrial space. They're not desirable to look at. So it's hard to find that type of space in most cities. Um, so it's valuable because of that, because a lot of cities like they understand like you need this for jobs, but it's messy to look at a lot of times because right. contractor storage yards at the end of the day, um, or a lot of them are. So it's valuable. This in the comp plan is zoned to be industrial someday. It's currently residential now, but it can be rezoned industrial once the city sewer and water gets to it, which is usually how all that works. So as the city sewer and water comes out, that's when properties develop because they can tie into the sewer and water. They don't need a septic system anymore. So you can get denser capacity with everything there because the septic systems take up space. So once you're on city sewer and water, they let you rezone. Is there any way to like speed that process up or is it all just the pace the of the city? It can be if you could pay to bring the pipe up to you, but it doesn't usually that make probably sense. Isn't cheap. Yeah, because the developer it's the developer's expense to bring the pipe into their property. So I've got a piece of property between mine and where the pipe sits at right now, about 50 acres that I've been talking to the guy that owns that about developing that and trying to like get him to develop it. So then I could develop my property. Yep. It's kind of just a waiting game. And I was pushing for it more earlier, but now I'm at the point where it's like, well, I don't know, it, you know, it makes good money how it is. Like it happens when it happens type of deal. But, um, so long story short, bought it for 680. It's rented out now. Currently it's got, um, the value, the going rate for industrial land per acre up there is about $110,000 to $120,000 an acre. So once I, re, as soon as I rezone and just get it rezoned, it's worth $1.1 to $1.2 million. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it was like really interesting because it had the rental income that paid for everything and made money. And then it also can be worth basically double once the time comes. Yeah, so that's great. That's probably by far the best investment I've made into real estate purely because of those two facts, it's the biggest cash flowing asset I have um, real estate wise. And then it's probably the biggest upside potential as well. Yeah. So bought that, got a bunch more renters in there. And like, I guess we could break, should we break down the numbers on it a little bit Sure. for the listeners? Yeah. It's got basically outdoor storage, stuff like that. The house rents for 1650, the shop rents for 1650. Outdoor storage is just like a mixed match of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like six to seven grand a month in rents. And the mortgage is like 2,300 bucks. Taxes are like five grand a year. And then utilities are paid for by the renters. So awesome. it cash flows pretty well. Very well. Yeah, that's so, great. So I guess the piece of advice to like build off that is like unique opportunity. Like there is zoning that has to go with that to have the outdoor storage. Like I went to the city and got permits and stuff for doing that, by the way. So you can't just do that anywhere. So it's a little bit trickier. But if you can find value in like weird opportunities like that, where it's kind of this mixed matched opportunity like unicorn deal yeah it yeah. can pay pretty well so yeah, for sure yeah, um and the, very nice. the only reason i could get the permits to do that because they understood that it was going to be zoned for that in the future but i just couldn't zone for that now because it's not that sewer and water is not there so zone for industrial yeah, is what you're saying? yeah. exactly so they kind of gave me a lighter use class code and like conditional use permit they call it um so that's that one uh, that same year, 2021, um, shortly after that, bought a commercial building in Marine on the St. Croix, just a little town. North not, of Stillwater. Yeah, You're north familiar. of Stillwater. Not very big, very small, small town. But that's got three. I bought that with my parents, actually. So they bought half and I bought half. Um, we both put in half the money and then own it together. But that's got three apartment buildings upstairs and then three commercial units downstairs. So a mixed-use building. And honestly, that's kind of my cup of tea, like... 
um, just things that have two different like diversified a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like the property uh, that I was talking about has you know rent outdoor storage, and then it's also got the house. Yep. So there's like two different pieces of income there. Here there's apartments, and then there's also commercial retail space. So I like that mix of stuff. But uh, if one isn't working well, the other one is hopefully, hopefully going better. Well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that one is just kind of we just bought it. It was a good bought it for. 450 it was listed for five i think we made an offer at 450 um all the rents were extremely under market and we did some improvements to the property and it's all one building right it's all one building it's an older building so there's always something that needs to be done to it i mean it is like yeah. it was 1800s built so it is old um and there's a lot of capital improvements that need to be done like some drain tiling, basement, just remodeling the units. We've got one unit left that needs to be remodeled. Otherwise, everything else has been done in the last like 10 years or 20 years. So it's pretty up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, but bought it for 450 between improving some of the units and everything and then just getting the rents to where more of a market rate where they should be. Uh, we'd think it's probably worth six fifty to 700000 at this point just by upping the rents. And for those of you that are thinking about getting into real estate, um, with commercial like that or anything that's rented, a lot of times that's how, like there's the value of the property just by itself is one thing, but once it's renting and making money, it's worth more. Different, yeah, it's a because different now, value. Yeah, now it's a business, so to speak, that yep. makes money. It generates money. So you base it off a cap rate, um, and we figure for that building at like a seven and a half cap, um, it's worth six fifty to $700,000, so which is pretty realistic going rate for something like that, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, so, and so like even a lot of people, uh, bigger dogs in real estate, you know, buy land, develop, put, you know, apartment building on it, fill yeah. that baby up, and then they dump it. That's what, yeah, a lot of people do that. We just a lot more value, and they can probably get a lot of cash for it. That's what happened. So the apartment building I was living in last year um, was the developer built it. I'm not sure what it cost them to build it, but they resold it to like their holding company. So a lot of times what they do is they'll buy the land, develop it, uh, get it rented, and then they'll have a developing company and then a holding company and they'll sell it to the holding company. So the developing company makes profit and then the holding company like takes out a loan against it, you know, to hold it and manage it and do whatever. But that building, I think they sold to themselves for like $54 million, which I think we did the math was like $300,000 a unit. And at that point when they built that, I would think the going rate for building a unit was like it all changed because of COVID, but it was probably 175 to 200, 225. So they were making 75 to $100,000 a door wow. on like, I don't know what it was, like 200 units? I can't remember, but. That's big it, dollars. They paid them, yeah, they paid themselves. Yep. And at the time they would have done all this was like when rates were good and everything. So that like that whole project probably worked out really well for them. And now they're developing the lot next door. It was where the stadium is now. Yep. They tore it down and now they're building that. But, same developers? Yes. I believe oh, wow. so. okay. Yeah, they bought all of it at the same time, I think. So it was my understanding. Oh, or part of the deal as far as yep. the stadium had so many years to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they had a couple. Exist. They were going to do that one first and then a <laughs> yeah. couple more years and so on and so forth. So. Um, but putting the renters in there is what really ups the value or getting the rents back to like a normal market rate. Cause at the end of the day, like, which is where like landlords get a bad rap because that they buy a building and then they go and they raise the rents because the last person just didn't know what they're doing. But that's like how it works. Yeah. You know, the last person bought it, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it is. And they didn't really have to rate, like it's either paid off or their interest rate was lower. They didn't pay much for it. And they just, 
Or they're tired of dealing with it. Yeah, or they're tired of dealing, whatever it is, but they just never raise their rents. And in that case, I think the person was just tired of dealing with it because there was a bunch of neglected stuff. Um, We got in there and then we just, I mean, looked at the market and said, okay, well, this is what it should be renting for. Like, this is fair. And we actually kind of went lower than market rate because it's a small town and it's a tight-knit community. Did you lose any tenants from that? Uh, no, we didn't lose any, but there was one gal that ended up leaving, but that wasn't because of that. Um, that was like a year after. So we do have one new tenant in there now. And actually we just, the cafe that was in there, that guy just moved out. Um, don't think that had so much to do with the rent though, because that price changed a while ago. Um, but anyways, at the end of the day, if you can raise the rents to be at a market rate and they're far below market, that adds value. So we believe the property is worth six fifty to seven hundred thousand based on that cap rate. Yeah. So and you didn't really put much into it. We sounds of it. Yeah, I mean we've put some money into it. Um, we had to do some exterior work, which we did ourselves, so we were able to do it for cheap. We did that right away. Um, so we had like another five to eight grand of like cash out of our pocket after buying yeah. it. But then the cash flow from the properties paid for the other improvements, which. Uh, One of the units is a studio apartment. We redid the entire studio apartment this last winter, and that was done with the cash flow from the property. And that's the point we're at now. Like everything we make on the property is just going back into it because it's an old property and it kind of needs it. So now that the cafe unit, which is the last one that needs to be renovated, he just moved out. We've got like 15 grand sitting in the bank. It's probably all going to go back into that this winter, which... One of these years, it'd be nice to make some money on it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like... Just it, a, it, real estate's a long-term play. It is, Mo- yeah. I mean, for the most part. I mean, sometimes you can get do the quick flip type deal where it's fast cash, but... Yeah, there's that type of stuff. But something like this, it's a... I mean, it's like downtown in this city, in this town. Yep. And it's uh, like one of... There's like five or six like main buildings. And it's this historic, like cute little town. And it's one of the main buildings. So it's like one of those things that it's it's worth doing right because the right person's going to want to come and buy this um, from us someday. And they'll pay for it because the, you can't build anything there ever again. Right. So it just is, or I mean, you could tear that building down and rebuild it, but it's not worth doing that. There's no other buildable land down there and the city won't ever let that happen. So it's, I mean, it's worth just doing right. So, but we've put all the money back into it. Um, and probably for the next two years, cause there's a bunch of outdoor like landscaping stuff that has to get done. Cause it's just ugly. So I don't I know a guy that you could probably yeah, talk to thankfully, about landscaping. Thankfully we can do that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's going to be a couple more years before it actually makes money. So anyways, moving on that same year ended up buying one other piece of property. And this is the first time I've actually dabbled in development of property. And this is over in Wisconsin, found 35 acres for sale, had a house and a pole barn on it. That's kind of a unicorn deal, right? Yeah. Another weird yeah. deal, but honestly, like that's where the opportunity is. Right. And there's these strange deals that like nobody else knows what to do with, or it's kind of one-off stuff. Or um, you know someone that knows someone that knows yeah, someone's that, dog that that's exactly <laughs> literally that's exactly it. I yeah. mean, it's just the strange stuff like that, um, or things that are too hard to do that you can the conventional way of going about it doesn't right. make sense for somebody, but you can make something happen with a unique idea. So it was thirty five acres, had a house and a pole barn. Um, ended up buying it for five hundred grand, and the plan from the start was to develop it. All uh, of it. Yeah, we were actually going to do more lots than what we ended up doing there. Okay. We were going to have like 14 lots there, put in a road and then sell the lots to a builder or a couple of builders and have them build home or, you know, do whatever they want to do with them at that point. So I proposed that to the city, had a plat drawn up, um, or I just sketched something out basically on Google SketchUp or whatever it is. And they said they don't really like that idea. So then we went back to the drawing board and we actually figured out in this process that they have 
so there's a major subdivision, which is like anything over five units or more. And there's a minor subdivision. Minor subdivision process is way simpler than a major subdivision, just a lot less like um, government regulation involved with the county, the city, and then like watersheds and stuff like that yep. because it's less impact. And the lot sizes have to be, well, I don't think certain. Probably not. As yeah, I don't think they have to. I don't think it changes out there because it's all septic anyways. Um, and it's Wisconsin. And it's Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to you Wisconsinites. But anyways, uh, proposed the road in 14 lots or whatever it was. They said, no, not so much. We probably could have done it if we forced it. But then yep. once we got some pushback, um, and that's kind of our model with all of that is like going to the community and like, what should this be like to what you guys think and what do you see? Because at the end of the day, you don't want the whole neighborhood there with pitchforks and torches at the <laughs> city Burning council meeting. <laughs> yeah. Telling you to piss off, which is what happens a lot. So uh, when we did that thing in Moundsview, actually, I'm just going to off topic a bit, but we showed up for the council meeting and the developer before us trying to develop a park, the entire city, it seemed like was out there with signs protesting. Ford and I roll up in the truck and I'm like, this better not be for us. <laughs> like, Thankfully it wasn't, yeah. but I was like, wow, that would really suck showing yeah, up to be. that. So Jeez. taking the community's like input is important, I think. So, but what we found out through this process was we could, and the neighbor wanted to buy a lot, which is what made this cool. We could deed part of what his lot would be to him and then split the rest of it four times and keep it in that minor subdivision, which was cheaper, easier, and just a way quicker process. So what we ended up doing was taking 14 acres off the back, deeding it to the neighbor, sold that to him, and then we took what we had left and split that up into four lots. So we really got five lots out of it. Then those other three lots we ended up selling, and we actually kept the corner lot off the highway for us, which is now our shop. Um, so we you, rent the house you out had there. 21 acres. Yeah, right. something like that. I mean, it was 35 total when we bought it yeah. and then deeded the back 14, what, I think it yeah. was, give okay. or take. And then the rest of it, we split into four lots um, of right. different sizes. Did you have to build any roads or is that just right no, off the we main drag? And it was a, yeah, we were able to pull put driveways. Some in and yep. We, put a driveway in. we had to put uh, the requirement for them was a culvert in the ditch and then stub the, the driveway in past the road right away, which was like 50 feet into the property. And that's yeah. it. So we had, instead of like hundreds of thousands of dollars into a road, we had $13,000, $14,000 into putting some culverts and driveways in. So, yeah. and at the end of the day, we actually made the same amount of money, if not more, and we sold everything. So we got the plat approval in June of 2022 and everything was sold by September of 2022. So it all wow. moved very quickly. Yeah, that's great. Obviously it was only three lots left to sell at that point. Um, so was pretty easy, but hindsight looking at that, like, so it was one the larger one part of the four. So there's that 24 was split into four properties. Correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So sold the three, sold the three smaller ones and kept one of them. So, which was really cool. So like, here's what I learned on that. Um, actually like not doing the major subdivision, the road and everything, like we were going to build the road and everything. So that would have been a job for us at the same time, right. but we had 14 lots of sell would have been a lot harder to sell 14 lots because when you introduce like something like that, there's three lots for sale. Well, once they're gone, they're gone. You have 14 lots. It's a lot easier for people to be like, well, there's 14 of the lots here. Like, we'll just wait. There's no sense of urgency because there's yep. 14 lots sitting there. So what we try to do in situations like that is get a builder to buy, you know, seven of them and another builder to come in and buy seven of them all at once. And then they're their problem and they go and build specs or do whatever they want to do. Um, Glad we didn't do that hindsight because that would have been a lot of cost into the road and the way the economy is going now, like 
not so sure people are really spending money building homes right now. So I think that worked out for the best the way it did, uh, even though it wasn't what we were planning originally. So yeah, it's probably quicker cash too. I mean, it would have been yeah, we I were mean, potentially could have been sitting on we properties were, for yeah, a we while. were cashed out by December. Everything had closed. Yeah. Offers were accepted and like finalized in September, and then December we had cash and we were completely done with the project. Um, and I what we did with the property. So this was the cool part. I had a partner on that too who just brought the cash for it, and then I did the work. Um, so I had to pay him back, but with the corner property that we kept, that I kept, I was able to just refinance, take the cash out of that to pay him off completely instead of selling that. And then I also got cash, all my cash. Well, I didn't have any cash into it, but I had extra cash that would have been my profit from the project come out of it. And then the rest of the equities left in the property. But all of that cash that I took, it was probably like 85 to a hundred thousand dollars of cash or whatever. It was like some number like that. None of that was taxable because I haven't sold that property yet. It's not a realized gain. So he had to pay taxes on his income. It was a capital gains because he made money on it. So he paid his taxes. But since I kept this, and actually he didn't because it's in a self-directed IRA in a different story. But I didn't have to pay any taxes because I haven't sold that property yet, but I got 85 grand worth of cash out of it. So Hmm. that's nice. If you, <laughs> yeah. So, and the rest is left, you know, the profit is left in equity in that Mostly lot that I have. from the sale of the three properties. Yeah. Because yeah. the sale of the other three pop- properties paid for, you know, the purchase of the land, the expenses, it was like 40 grand worth of expenses to go get a survey, get the plat recorded, the city fees yep. and like, you know, culverts and whatever else. So that selling everything else paid for that. And then some, which paid off, uh, you know, his share of the profit. And then I refinanced my property and then paid him like 20 grand or something like that. And then kept the rest of it as my own cash for myself. Did your partner have any uh, experience doing this before developing? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. So he actually wants to be on the podcast, Mr. Jim. So if you're listening. <laughs> I hope you're uh, listening. I hope you're listening. You're up next. <laughs> so yeah, he's my uncle uh, and he's been developing land his whole life. So he was kind of the, um, he's the one actually knew about the property. He, we were going out to see Colton's house yep. one day and. Uh, Colton is Carson's brother. Yeah, Colt, my older brother bought a house in that area, and I was riding with Jim out there, and he goes, as we're driving by, he casually goes, I was kind of upset. I hope you're listening, Jim. I was a little upset at first because he goes, you know anyone that wants to buy a pole barn? And I'm like, well, I'm always up for a good pole barn. Like, of course, why wouldn't you? So we pulled in there after the fact, and we've been looking for properties to develop this whole time. It was 35 acres. I'm like, Jim, like, why have you been sharing the secret for me? You know about this one the last three months, and where, where have we been? So... Uh, and then we just told the guy we'd buy it and off we go. So how long was the process from you stopping there that day to closing on that property? Uh, so that was like beginning of October, end of September of 2021 closed on the property beginning of December. Well, actually it was probably end of December. Cause what we did is we, he wanted 500 grand. We just told him, yeah, that's fine. Cause it was worth that. Yep. Um, so we don't want to haggle with it really. And it's actually funny, like speaking on that 500 grand, Everyone I've told that was like, you got that for 500 grand? Like, holy smokes, that's a great deal. And one of the guys I told that is a buddy of ours. We work with him. He wrote that. He lives down the road from there. He wrote the guy a letter and mailed it to him. And it was sitting in his mailbox. And once I bought the property, I checked the mail. And I saw his letter there. And I'm like, Tyler. And I opened it up. And I was like, I want to buy your property, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like, (laughs) So if this guy would have just checked his mail, I probably never would have got this property. Wow. Anyways, um, well, do you know what was there? Where is there an offer on the 
No, but I told letter. him what I got it for, and he was pissed. He was oh, like, sure. why did he not check his mail? Because he wanted it. You should have so, turned around and sold it to him. Yeah, I actually was thinking about it, but then we decided we were going to use it. So, um, But made the offer end of September, beginning of October, and closed at the end of December. is actually like a couple days before Christmas because we had to get a um, like a preliminary plat approval. So we wrote the offer contingent on being able to subdivide it. And then what that means is we were only going to close if the city or township said, yes, you can subdivide it. So we went to a council meeting. They said, yes, that should be fine. There's no problems. We've like did our due diligence that we could actually do what we wanted to do with the project. And then we ended up closing on it after that. So uh, 21 September, wrote the offer, closed December of 21, final plat approval, June of 22, everything sold out by September of 22. So we are completely year done turnaround. with one year. Yeah. Yeah. So it got my refinance done and all the cash back out of it by the end of November. So it was a year and two months and we were all paid out and made our money. uh, Was that a commercial loan then on the refi? Um, Yes, it was. So we, what happened with that was uh, Jim brought all the money for the down payment. So we got a loan, a line of credit essentially is what it was. Um, So we bought the property on this line of credit. I think the line of credit was like $600,000. So Jim put in like 125 grand from the line of credit for the to down like payment. to collateralize the line of credit or whatever, however, because we had oh, gotcha. some equity in yep. it or whatever. So he put 125 grand, and then we drew on the line of credit 375 to purchase it, closed on it, and then we used the line of credit to pay these other expenses. And then as we sold stuff, we paid back the line of credit, and then I paid Jim back his money and so on and so forth. So, um, and that's good. where your shop is located right now. And that's where we're located right now. Yeah. So uh, that was a that was my first time doing, I guess, a real kind of real development. There wasn't project, really yeah. a road or any serious infrastructure that had to get built. So, um, but it was a lucrative project. I mean, um, made good money, and yeah. And it serves you well right now. Yeah, and we can still use it today, and didn't have to pay taxes on any of the money uh, that I did make. So it worked out really well. But I think the opportunities are in unique pieces of property that there's value to that most other people don't, don't see. Yeah, just most people, yeah, but I mean, that property was just, it, again, wasn't on the market, so nobody really knew about it. Like, there's people writing them letters. I, there's actually two people I know of that were talking about buying that. Um, so I think just, honestly, like, who you know is a huge part of it. But if you can find stuff off market, that is huge because there's just less people competing for it. You're not looking at it. Bigger room uh, for margin. Yeah. Profit margin. So that's my first real development experience. Um, I've flipped a couple of homes. Um, everything else that I've been doing, that's stuff that I've really, I would like to say, like I kind of did on my own more or less. I mean, there's been partners and like my parents own half of the Marine building. And then, you know, Jim brought the money for that other one. But those are things that I've kind of been the lead on yep. in every aspect of it. Um, the We've got a little subdivision in Mounds View that we just sold two lots on last Thursday, actually. Uh, that's, um, with two other partners that we've all been collaborating on together to do. And then currently got a house that we're flipping down in St. Paul that has two other partners as well that we've been working together on and then flipped a house last year in a house and a lot. And it was a house and a lot that we just bought and resold last year with those same partners. Do you find having partners is, uh, beneficial or? The biggest thing I would I'm sure say there's pros and cons to it. Obviously. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I would say is if you're going to have partners, like find somebody that you obviously get along with, but 
have the you want them the to have yeah vision's the same and almost like different skill set as you because yeah. the problem is with the these three other guys now I won't name names um, <laughs> but I mean they're great guys I, I love them but if you're listening to them you probably know who you are yeah we're all the same mentality we're all the pick up the phone call somebody like find a deal and like we're just kind of like all the same mentality of like visionaries yep. if you look at like visionaries none of us are integrators so like the paperwork's a mess like the back end <laughs> is a mess like nobody knows how much we have in expenses because nobody <laughs> tracks that stuff and it's all a mess. i mean it, you yeah. know i'm being exaggerating here yeah. but at the same time like none of us are just detail guys in that aspect we're like big picture thinkers which is great but we need someone that's more of the detail side of it so partners has been huge you need a uh, woman Honestly, dude, that's literally <laughs> Seriously. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So women are just better at that type of stuff, I feel like. So, but no, I think, I think partners is good. Um, I think having the right partners is important. And just if you're going to have partners and especially in stuff like this, where you're buying and selling like assets, um, like right away and quick turnaround. And especially when there becomes like a lot of money in these things, uh, very clear like roles and responsibilities write it out like we're all pretty close so that's one of the biggest mistakes we've made is we didn't like clearly define at the beginning of this specific project what's your role and what's your responsibility and then it becomes well i thought you were going to pay the insurance bill <laughs> yeah. well you have the checkbook so you know stuff like that yeah. like your responsibility is this no one else you know right. if you're out of town and you need something it's your responsibility to ask that person to do that for you which yeah. is fine like somebody can we'll all step in to do that but it's your responsibility to take care of it yeah so. that's sometimes the trouble with doing business with family and friends is you kind of just assume things yep like they'll, they'll take care of it or i'll take care of it and um kind of like like when you're running a business if you have family or friends in the business and um it's just a little bit harder because you think that you're all on the same page but sometimes you're not and i don't and i don't get that like I see that with Colton and I all the time where we're both kind of like, like today he's uh, out of town hunting at Alex's or whatever he's, I think he is. And I was talking to Chase this morning. He goes, yeah, Colton's not here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Which he told me he was leaving last Friday and he wasn't going to be here, but I didn't know he wasn't going to be here today. And so I was like, oh, like, I didn't know that, but ma it, I don't know, maybe he didn't tell me, but I don't think he did. Is he coming back tomorrow? I don't know. Find out on the next episode <laughs> of the six figure exit. So no, just having like really clear, like expectations right. and what do they call them? Key performance KPIs, key KPIs, performance yeah. indicators. Like, I mean, things to hold people. Measurables. Yeah. Measurables, things to hold people accountable to. And it's not so much like the, Oh, I gotcha because you didn't do it. It's just like, we need holding that. everybody. Like, everybody accountable so that. it's smooth. The process yes. is smooth and you can honestly probably look at the numbers a little better, easier and see what you're actually making on the project. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's very important, but so that's my real estate experience. Um, some of the things I've learned off of that though, I would say like obviously good partners, but find unique deals and just networking the best deals that we found. Oh, and I guess like my house that I just bought, um, again, was like an off market deal through a guy I know that he, so this is really cool. And this guy goes and he finds like distressed properties in the sense of they don't have, uh, um, it's either in foreclosure or going to go to foreclosure. Or like in this case, the gal had medical liens on her house. So she racked up a medical bill, couldn't pay for it, didn't have health insurance. So the hospital has the right to like lien her property. So if she ever sells her property, the hospital gets paid off. And what ended up happening here is he would went to the hospital, said, Hey, you have that paperwork that gives you the rights to the property. I'm going to buy that from you from the hospital. Yep. yep. For pennies on the dollar, 
because a hospital doesn't want a house. They want money because they're not in real estate. So he (laughs) buys that because he's in real estate, gives them pennies on the dollar. Then he goes over to her and says, and he's actually really nice about it. Like it's kind of a savage thing, but it's also like, he's a very nice guy the way he goes about it. It goes, look, you're in a shitty situation. You have two options. You either pay me what this paper's worth that he just paid pennies on the dollar for, and he'll make hundreds of grand on, or you have to move out of the house and I'm taking the house and I'll help you move and so on and so forth. Pay but for, you, but you pay have for to, her to move. Or, yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, you're either paying the money. You don't have the money. No one's going to loan you the money. So at the end of the day, you're like, you're moving, but I'm here to help you make that as painless as possible. And it paid for her to move and whatever else. So then I yeah. went and bought the house from him for much cheaper than what he bought or much more expensive than what he bought it for, but also much cheaper than what market value for that house would be. And renovated it and it was a hoarder house we took out six 30 yard dumpsters of That's garbage absolutely nuts just garbage and the house isn't that big it's yet. a 1400 square foot one level house i guess so another 1400 in the basement so just under 3000 square feet six Top to bottom. 30 yard dumpsters of loaded. garbage and then there was like four more dumpsters of just like you know stripping the construction debris out of the house so was she like, was she living there she was and then not at that moment. It okay. sat for a winter and the pipes broke and stuff like that okay. and flooded everything and then got it moldy and just nasty, like yeah. the nastiest thing you've ever seen in your life. And like she was a heavy smoker, which would explain the medical bills. The <laughs> bathtub, no shit, the bathtub was full of cigarette cartons, like roll your own cigarette, 200 carton boxes that are like, you know, it's just uh, amazing. four me. inches by 12 inches, you know. The, the tub was full. Every wall in the house covered in just like tar, like the nast, like the windows, like I had to take a razor blade and scrape the tar off the windows. It was so nuts. So yeah, but opportunity. Yep. Nobody else wanted to deal with that <laughs> to an extent. I mean, I'm sure somebody would have, right? Yeah. But most buyers don't want to deal with that. And most buyers don't want to go to the hospital and buy the paperwork to do that and find all that. So you got to be able to find unique opportunities and capitalize on them at the end of the day. That's how you make the most money in real estate. Buying stuff on the market, in my opinion, is definitely doable and there's good deals. Like we looked at that deal in St. Paul that I thought was a good deal. Yep. Um, it was on the market, but then you're in a bidding war with somebody else. The and one you're working on now or which one? No, the one uh, Sophie, you and I went and looked at that duplex. The up down that oh, got yeah. shot yep, up. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the holes in the front <laughs> of it. <laughs> Great neighborhood, <laughs> but you no, know, it was a good neighborhood. Yeah, but, it was. Uh, I mean, like it yeah, was a good, it was, it was a good deal. It but same it just, deal with that that guy that wasn't it the guy that um, you're just talking about that had some medical rec, um, papers on the property. Yeah. So what happened? Same deal. Yeah. What happened with that one is it was on the market and they were going through a foreclosure process, like same type of deal. So they were just trying to sell their house on the market and. Uh, there's like a few other people I think interested in buying it. So we actually went to the other guy and was like, Hey, can you just go get the paperwork on this for us? And we'll just buy it from you. And he wasn't able to get it at the end of the day. It was different ordeal, but, um, because I think somebody else just came in and made like a cash offer, cash full price offer. So then the owners of the property sold it paying off the medical liens. So we weren't able to get the medical liens, but, um, I don't know. Think you got to be able to find unique opportunities in real estate. So think outside the box. Don't do what everyone else is doing. And honestly, like to an extent, like do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. Like right now, nobody's buying, and it kind of makes me because of interest rates. But it makes you wonder, like, should we be buying? Should we buy? Should we be buying? Like (laughs) nobody else is, and when everyone else was buying, like, well, then I mean, you can always refi too. Like, well, that's the thing. I think we're getting to a point where it's like numbers. People are starting to stop buying houses of. Uh, pricing of houses are, are going down 
um, just because people are scared and not interested in moving because of interest rates. So then prices are going down. And then, you know, if you can kind of hit that sweet spot and then hit that number and buy that house or buy that property, and then, you know, maybe you have a higher interest rate right now, but you can refi in a couple of years, yeah. a few years when or, the rates are lower. Or if it's a flip house, like honestly, if it's a good flip and the numbers are right, don't be afraid of the interest rate. Yeah, right. This one uh, in St. Paul that with these partners I'm doing, we literally, and this is a very unique deal, and I showed you guys how to do this, which I just learned how to do this this year. There's hard money lenders that you can go buy a house with no money out of pocket. Yep. Like a lot of places will give you money based on the ARV after repair value of a house. So if the house is worth, in this case, we figured just say 450 After it's done. After it's fixed up and done, yep. ready to sell. But you buy it for 190 or whatever it is, like we got this place for, they'll give you, you got to have 20% equity or 25%, whatever it is of equity. So 20% of 450 you got a calculator or are you good at math? 20% of 450 Yeah. Be 90 grand. Is it? He's running yeah, the calculator 90, right it now. It is 90 yeah. grand. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> still water math. Still water math. A pony. So they'll, they'll give us $360,000 to, to, go loan, buy the I, to go buy the property and, and fix it up. It. So we bought it for, I don't I honestly don't know the numbers that well on this one because I've got two other partners that are doing it. Um, I think we bought it for 190, which means we're able to close on the house and then we had 170 grand to go fix it up at yep. a loan. So when we went and bought it, we had to pay like some miscellaneous closing fees or whatever out of pocket, I think, but we got reimbursed those right away. So we went to the closing table, the closing office. The hard money lender wrote the check for 190 and then they wrote, we wrote a check for like two grand for closing fees to the title company. But then the hard money lender wrote us a check for like $12,000 to reimburse the 2000 of closing fees and then gave us $10,000 against the first draw to go fix up the house. So we literally bought the house, basically no money down and got paid $10,000. So we left there owning a house and additional $10,000 of cash. But you need to go. I mean, you got to you got to you got to put the work in. Yeah, you got to pay it back. But so those of you that are thinking like you want to get into real estate, but you don't have the cash to do it, I think the two options, depending on what you're doing, like if you're just going to sell it right away, like that's an option, right? Or if you're going to refinance into a rental property and like refinance and hold it for the long term, you can still do a hard money loan to fix it up, and then do a conventional loan to go buy, you know, from yourself or refinance out of that loan and pay off the first loan. But the interest rate on that's like twelve percent, and we'll still make. I think, you know, as long as it sells for 430 or whatever we have it listed for around there, we're going to make over six figures on it, which gets splits between all of us. But at the end of the day, like, that's pretty good. Yeah, like, for sure. Absolutely. Not bringing any money at all. So yeah. it's like an infinite return at that point yep. because you didn't have anything into it. So besides your time. Yeah. So that was a really, that's a good way to do it. The other option is find a business partner or someone that has cash, more cash than time and doesn't want to deal right. with the actual. A lot know, of times those investors just want to just, I mean, obviously they want to know that the deal is going to work out, but they don't want to mess around with the logistics of the deal. They just yeah. want to bring the money and then make the money. <laughs> that's yeah. A lot, a lot of the times that's yeah. what it is. And that works great too. I think uh, the biggest thing, the issue you'd run into with that is just, you got to have the experience and like know your numbers. Cause at the end of the For day, sure. if you go into any of these deals, someone else's money, your own money, and you don't yeah. know your numbers on what it costs to fix something up. I mean, you're going to be in a pickle really For sure. quickly. For sure. So. Do you have but, any um, ideas or, or pros and cons of like somebody that's getting started? Should they go, you know, just single family residential, commercial? Do you like both? What are your thoughts on either? Nothing less than 32 units. Got to start at 32 <laughs> <Yeah>. units. 
Anything less than that, chicken shit. Yeah, zero to a hundred. Um, no, I'm just kidding. There's somebody that says that, but uh, you know, it depends on what you want to do. Like for yeah. me, that rental property in Hugo, um, with the outdoor storage and the way our business was set up, the plan is to like we still use it for like our equipment and our own stuff. So for us being like in the trades, if you need a spot to like put your own equipment, like kill two birds with one stone, buy a piece of property with a house, rent the house out or live there, put your own equipment there and maybe you can, you know, charge a fee to have someone else store some of their stuff there too. So, uh, depends on what you're doing. Maybe both. Yeah. You know, do anything like that. Um, if you're just purely trying to get into real estate cause you want to hold real estate or flip stuff, I think right now, in this market, I guess I would head towards multifamily if you can find a good deal. I don't, I've not been able to find a good deal on anything recently, multifamily, but I think that's the highest demand because single family costs so much right now. Yep. For a family to come in, buy a full house, like the loan I have on that Hugo property was $550,000, loan at a 2. Point, or 3.2% interest rate. So I got 580 grand of cash. It cost me $2,300 a month for my house in Delwood. I've got 395 grand in cash with a loan size at a seven and a half percent interest rate. And it cost me 2750 a month for that. So it's costing me like $500, $400 more a month for that loan for $180,000 less of cash. So buying single family homes right now is expensive and yep. most families aren't buying right now, or if they already have a house, they're not selling because they're locked in at a good rate. Why would you get rid of that rate to go to a seven or right. an eight or whatever it is? So, Rentals, I think, are doing pretty well because people it, don't want to buy. People don't want to buy right now. Yeah. They're just kind of holding tight, waiting for rates to come down. So, which even if rates come down, honestly, like rates either have to stay high for a long time and crash the real estate market, or if rates start coming back down, real estate prices are going to go up. Yeah. So, Same I, thing is like 2022, 20, and I think numbers were just nuts. I think we're at this weird, sticky situation yeah. where the point of raising interest rates is to lower the prices of, you know, everything because of inflation, real estate being like probably the number one drivers of those um, or the inflation numbers. Yep. But I think they're in a really sticky point where you either have to crash it and destroy the market or it's going to go up as soon as you. As soon as Bring they lower rates, rates down, like, yeah. boom, everything's rocketing. Like, yeah. everyone knows that. There's so much cash sitting on the sidelines right now from investors and people that want to buy. They don't know what to do with it because they're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I think once we get through this election cycle, people are going to, like, start to free up money and they're going to start to spend it more. Um, but if rates if rates go down, I think that's going to be – stuff's going to rocket. Yeah, which is a great thing if you got property or – I mean – Obviously, if you could, you could tell the future, you can go buy a, a million well, properties yeah, right now. I was gonna say, so that's the gamble. <laughs> yeah, do you right. buy a bunch right now hoping that they drop rates and the values go up? Or, or you buy you, it and then you get screwed. Yeah, or because they, they, they go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Do they keep raising rates to keep lowering the prices of stuff? Um, no. And does your property get devalued? Which right now, I think we're certain. I've seen more price cuts in the last five months than I've ever seen yeah. in the last three to four years. And stuff just sitting on the market. So, yeah, for, stuff is sitting. Like the two weeks or months we just lit that house in St. Paul. We listed two weeks ago. I don't even think we've got an official offer on it at all. Really? We've had like three or four showings and it's good feedback. Like the house was done. The contractor that redid it, who's the, one of the partners in the deal is just beautiful work. Like yeah. gorgeous house. It turned out super nice compared to what it was. I mean, it was a legit, a prostitute meth lab house. Like not good. Very, very bad. And it's gorgeous right now. Like, yeah. Totally yeah, turned it around. Looks great. And, yeah. I did a great job, but the problem is like, People just aren't spending money. No. 
Yeah. So is it, is it kind of uh, a nicer home for the area? Yeah, I would say so. It's a pretty nice area over by Como Lake or whatever. Okay. So I would say it's a nicer home for the area. I mean, it's just, it's all updated. So yeah. all the other homes are pretty nice too in the area. So that's not yeah. a bad That's spot. another two, a thing to point out is like, if you're doing like single family, um, I wouldn't go into it buying the nicest home and then expect to put money into it and then expect to sell it for more. Cause I feel like you're just kind of limiting yourself on resale. I mean, if you got a, a $800,000 house in a $300,000 neighborhood, it's yeah, just, just not going to, not going to make not well, worth your dollars that, to put into it. That's what, yeah. So that's what I was talking about earlier when I said, I found that out the hard way of putting the nicer finishes. Like, <laughs> so my house that I bought, which I think the appraisal is an idiot or the appraiser is an idiot. And I actually, I showed my aunt too. And she was kind of like, yeah, this does not make any sense. Like, really? um, the place is tax assessed at 580. I remodeled the whole thing. I did take away a bedroom to turn it into a master bath. So it's got one less bedroom than it originally had, but it's tax assessed at 580. I thought it'd be worth six to six fifty. The appraiser comes back at four fifty nine, and I'm like, four fifty nine. Uh, so four ninety five. Oh, okay. sorry. Yeah, but still four ninety five. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well that seems like a hundred thousand dollars spread where <laughs> it should be, because it's like high end finishes. I put like seventy grand into lighting and AV in the house, which is like super cool. But it's one of those things that like <laughs> you're not gonna get a return on Probably. that. <laughs> when each can, the light can't, you know, it's cost two hundred thirty bucks a piece. Oh it's my like, gosh, dude. Maybe not what you needed to do Carson, yeah. but Home Depot sells them for like $17. Yeah. But these are really cool. When you dim it, the Kelvin goes down. So it's a really mm-hmm. warm light. So it, it is honestly like, I know it's 230 bucks a can, but for my personal residence, I don't yeah. think I'd do anything else ever again. Like once you have it, it is so nice. Yeah. So it's one of those little luxuries in life. Yeah. Once you have a luxury, you don't always go back. That honestly, like you'd wake up to it's the 5,000 like, K, you know, yeah. just, bright white led light shining no and then the whole thing like you know the lights slowly turn on at 4 a.m when i get up and they just wake me up nicely and it's like the music starts morning carson good morning honey (laughs) (laughs) good morning house yeah (laughs) but i think uh yeah i don't know what's your opinion on the real estate market right now i know you're just getting done yeah well i'm kind of just like sell this house hit pause and focus on business stuff so that we can create revenue and, and create good profits so that I can later take that money that this business is generating and the time that I spent on the business working on its efficiencies, productivity, it's going to make more money and later I can use that money to buy more things, buy more property, not things, buy more assets, stuff that pays you. You, you know. don't want to be a consumer. You don't Gulf want to go stream. Porsche, yeah. Rolex. Yeah. Stuff that appreciates. <laughs> yeah. The good stuff. Yeah. No, but what I was going to, that made me think, one of the biggest mistakes I made with all of this was like, um, and not so much the real estate side of it, but just with going into like multiple business ventures with different people at all at the same time. Like before you start to, if, if you're thinking about getting into real estate or even starting a second company or whatever it is, really make sure what you're doing right now, your mainstream of income is dialed in. Maybe that's just a job and that's a little bit different, but if it's a business and you think like, oh, the last two years have been really good. So this year I'm going to step back and like do two flip homes or something like that, which is going to consume a lot of your time. You better make sure your like plan A, like company is or whatever your source. Your main vehicle. Yeah. Your main vehicle is dialed in because I made that mistake of like stepping away too soon and not having mainly the systems and structure in place where I could step away 
and I did step away and it started to create issues over here in friction. Um, we didn't have the right people in the right seats and it created a lot of problems. And now what we've done because of that is like kind of step back, readjusting, exiting some business relationships and things like that. Yep. Um, and just like refocusing to get this dialed back in. So yeah. that was like my biggest mistake through all of this was they always say like growing too quickly, too soon. Uh, and it was really just, I don't think there's anything to, you can only grow too quickly if you don't have the right people to like support the growth. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I, I mean, there's no such thing as growing too quickly. I, in my opinion, as long as you have the right people in place. Yeah. yeah. And the structures so, there. Yeah. And you're financially sound. I mean, don't grow on the backs of like, you know, debt. millions of dollars of debt. Yeah. And, Cause that's the other <laughs> a thing. A lot of like, people do that. Or I've seen people like on Instagram, they're like, doing bad. like, yeah. Like doing millions of dollars in business and get into millions of dollars of debt. And they're like, okay, they're in, gone next week. In what that looks like. And we can talk about it offline, but I've heard through the grapevine and maybe it's not true, but it is what, it is what happens too. Like this happened in OA to a lot of companies. Um, local excavating company grew extremely quickly. Like I saw their stuff like nowhere. And then all of a sudden overnight over the last, like I shouldn't say overnight, but like over the last like four to five years, you see them everywhere. And I've looked at like some of the jobs they've bid to like, or a few of the jobs that we've been bidding on that they were bidding on, like the prices, like government stuff, the prices come back and everyone can see them. Yeah, you're kind of like, like, <laughs> like, well, where do they do? It's a $800,000 job and you're at like five or four, yeah. like, come on. But um, anyways, like what happens is you start taking loans on stuff to buy all this equipment that you need. And then if one job or two jobs, you know, not profitable, you're not hitting your or you're numbers, hitting your numbers yep. but you have so much money coming in, it can be hard to track like, okay, well, are we doing good? Cause you've got, you know, millions coming in the front and millions, millions going, going out the, the back. back, but where are you at really, you know, in the cash middle. flow might be fine. Cause you're just getting so much more work and you're growing so quickly. But if all that stops and the economy turns off, say, interest rates go up and <laughs> developers quit building stuff yep. and construction slows down. Now you have hundreds of, of thousands of, of dollars a month in payments that you have to make to pay for that equipment that no longer has a job site to be on. Yeah. So, which is what happened in 2008. So right. I've heard stories of one of the big local companies. Um, we talk about offline again, who they are, but uh <laughs> Which is just the reality of it. Like, this is what happens. I know a lot yeah. of people in this industry, and it's this industry specifically, like excavating, that because the equipment costs so much and you need it to do your job, but when the economy stops, like, you need cash to pay for that equipment while it sits in your yard doing nothing. But there's companies that are putting skid loaders, three, four skid loaders in a shipping container, sending them to China and selling them because they really? need them, and nobody here was buying anything in 2008. Wow. So, yeah. That's crazy. That, but I didn't know that. China needed them. Yeah. So they sent them back. Not too often you send stuff back to China. <laughs> to I got a return. <laughs> yeah, I got a return. But that's the tricky thing. Oh. And same with real estate too, to speak to the real estate side. I mean, like I've thought about it. Like, I don't know, between all the properties, I've probably got 10, 15 grand a month in payments that I got to make. And if all the renters lose their jobs, like, well, that's going to back on you. That's going to suck. Yeah. Um, that's sure. really going to suck. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a risk involved when you're getting into real estate. Um, that I think sometimes people miss like, or even like everyday people that like when we posted our house in Montemita here for rent, like people commenting on like the price of it. I'm like, and they're like, this is insane. But like, they don't understand the risk of the amount of Just money. Message that's them back and be like, make more money. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> like people spend how many, like I've got comments multiple days in a row from the same people. Like this is a racket. This is a joke. Think about how much time you're wasting on my post. Well, wait, why you could be making some money. Where is it posted? It was on Facebook. 
I posted on Facebook. For sale? No, for rent. Oh. And these, what, did, what were you asking for rent? 3500 a month. That's not bad. No. Like a four or five bed, isn't it? Five bedroom house. And these guys are just The one bedroom apartment I was in was 1650 a month for one bedroom. Yeah. Anyways, these people are just ripping me apart because they think it's priced too high, but they don't understand the risk and uh, capital that it takes to invest in real estate. And so they just don't have a concept. And so have an understanding that it takes capital to make money and invest in the real estate. It's it's a risky thing because we, ass- we assume the risk. As, if, as if you had a renter in there owners. and say, you know, you're depending on the rental money to pay the mortgage on it and they stopped paying rent and you couldn't find a renter and then yep. you have to go and sell that. I mean, you've seen over just two weeks to get an offer that has to close by the end of December. Like, yeah. Houses don't sell quickly. No. And then, so if you need the cash, it's going to take a few months to sell it. If you have multiple properties doing the same thing, it can that, get that adds up quick. Yeah. You got mortgage, the, mortgages are due. And this, is due. Where, <laughs> this is where Grant and Cardone's actually like right to an extent. You got two options. Like I think like sit on some cash to be able to pay some bills for a while or just have all your loans at the same bank. Make it like a local bank. This might sound terrible, but make it like a local <laughs> bank and get enough loans there where if you're going to go under, like the bank's going to feel it because yeah. then they're going to work with you. And if you got $10 million <laughs> of loans at one bank, they're going to be like, okay, how do you, we help you get this paid because we can't take back $10 million of real estate. Like we don't want that. Yeah. We'd want the money. We don't want the real estate. So we're going to work with you and renegotiate loan terms. I mean, that's what I've seen I mean, people all the time would renegotiate. They'd be in that situation and be like, look, I know I loaned $10 million, but I'll pay you seven. And they'll be like, okay. Yeah. It's that or I'm filing yeah. bankruptcy. Willing to work with you because they want their yeah. they want some money back. <laughs> like they want some of it is better than nothing. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know. I mean, that's I guess I wouldn't recommend that. No. Um it's something some you heard people feeling have done, fine. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> so but, but yeah, that's kind of uh that's been my experience with real estate and it's been good. But like I said, I think I'm kinda of on the back seat for now. It's gonna be on the back burner and focus on business, focus on life a little bit more so that we can create some more wealth that will pay for real estate in the future and when the time's right. Yeah, I think real estate's really, in my opinion, a secondary income stream for me anyways. Yeah. Company is, what's this thing? I think I shared on one of the other podcasts. Um, real estate's made more millionaires than any other like industry, but uh, entrepreneurship, business ownership has made more billionaires than any other industry. Yeah, so, so I'm going to be a billionaire. What yep, you, we're going you? for the big B. Yep. We'll see if we get there someday, huh? Yeah, we will. (laughs) Easy peasy. No problem. No problem. Well, we'll get there a much quicker if everyone shares the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the simple answer to this is like, you just just got to share the show. show. Uh, But hopefully you guys got some value. I know Carson had a lot to share and um, some great insight. I feel like Um, I learned a lot through this um, and I'm grateful for for his stories and, and mine. And hopefully we brought you some value today. And if so... Like Carson said, please share someone you think that would maybe get inter- interested in, in real estate and might see some value out of this. Give them a, give them a shout to the Six it, Figure Exit. And drop us a review. It really, yeah. uh, it helps us out. So, yeah. You can leave a good one. You can leave a bad one. But just leave something. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, guys, thanks for listening to the show this week. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks, guys. Peace. Peace.